Toilet. Talk Games Arcade Weekly, an arcade review show brought to you each Monday free of charge from the fine folks over at WeTalkGames.com. I am your host, Kyle Von Kubik, and I'm joined with the J to my K, John E. Capcom. Yes, sir. Now, John, this show will air. Oh, lovely. How many shows have you done in the recent weeks that have not aired that just went into the ether? Yeah, I try not to... Think about Give myself it. more of a reason to hate myself, you know. So I don't, I don't think it's <laughs> this week we are talking about a fun little title. Uh, I don't know if John dug it. We're talking about Wardner, 1987 by Toplin, put out by Taito. It's a ripoff of Ghosts and Goblins, but a little easier. Are you in agreement of yes, that? Yes, I would go with that. It's a it's a friendlier version. Yeah, it's an action platformer, horizontal orientation, two-player alternating. You got an eight-way joystick. No, I think it's a four-way joystick. And two buttons for jumping and firing. There's also some items you can pick up along the way. But let's jump right into the making mechanics. I touched on one of the titles that I think this game is just an echo of, which is Ghost and Goblins 1985 by Capcom. And the other title that I got some notes from while I was playing Wardner was Wonder Boy 1986 by Escape, Weststone Bit Entertainment, but mostly associated with Sega. And this game feels very much like a Sega Genesis game in the arcade. However, the Sega Genesis port of this game is fucking ugly. Well, a game that came ugly. a little bit before I saw it, and this was uh, Alex Kidd in Miracle World. Okay. That's kind of a connection. very similar map screen. Yeah. And Alex himself is quite similar to uh, whatever the name of the character you're playing as in this game. His, Not name, is, his name is Dover, but Do- I don't see anywhere in the arcade where it says that. I didn't see anywhere with the flyers. I think that might have been added in when there was the Sega Genesis port. The Sega Genesis port tried to put a little more story into the beginning than <laughs> these two pecs sitting outside. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pecs, all right, so I thought this game was Taito's attempt to capitalize on the film Willow, but on my research, I found out that Willow came out in 1988, a year later. That doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't rush the title when they heard that Willow was in production, but um, this definitely gave me a Willow vibe. I don't think they had the internet back then. <laughs> no, but there might have been some you know, trade papers or something going around that George Lucas was working on this film, Willow. I don't know. But I thought this game would have came out the same year or a year later and actually came out a year before the film, Willow. We talked about it a little bit. These two little dudes uh, are sitting outside, Dover and his girlfriend Mia. And then this wizard guy comes. He kind of has like um, 
an Orko vibe or, or like the dark wizards in the Final Fantasy game where it's the hood and it's just the two eyes gleaming out. He turns Mia into a crystal ball and says that he's going to bring her back to Mr. Wardner. So Wardner is actually the villain of the story. It's not the, uh, the protagonist. And then uh, adventure ensues. Now, how the wizard lures the uh, two little guys into uh, the trap that he sets in the woods is by saying to them, would you like to go on a Fantasia? Which yeah, is kind of creepy I, and kind of makes no sense. Yeah, I was just like, mm, uh, this some hey, kind of... Uh, kids, you want to go on a Fantasia? Ball? You want to go on a Fantasia with me? <laughs> you want to see my unicorn horn? Come in the that's van. The, that's the thing, actually. It sounds like something... Oh, God, I, I can't go that dark, I'm afraid. Sorry. <laughs> oh, come on, John. Why don't we say... John, this is your like, first episode back since the 14 you recorded that were destroyed or lost. How do I put it? It's something that, like, an evil ice cream man would ask you, shall we say. Oh, gotcha. Okay. You know, want to go on a Fantasia? Get in the van. <laughs> put this push-up pop in your mouth. <laughs> I mean, what I was uh, thinking here as far as innovation is concerned, is that it says, would you like two being the number two? Mm. So I was like, someone texted this dialogue into this game in <laughs> So scrolling platformer, very much like Ghosts and Goblins, Ghouls and Ghosts, and very much like that game, Wardner relies on you dumping credits into the machine so you can learn the stage because the enemy placement is always the same. What's nice about this game is, again, it's slower paced. The enemies aren't right on your tail constantly, although there are some cheap scares and, and cheap attacks that happen in certain points of the stage. The first run will always be more difficult than the second and the third. The thing that I kind of got annoyed with the character a bit is that he's kind of a difficult sprite to navigate, and there is a lot more platforming in Wardner than there is in Ghosts and Goblins, where you are jumping to vines and to small platforms and trying to collect coins so you can buy different types of power-ups. And the treasure chest and the money bags are kind of in weird spots. And he's got the Simon Belmont syndrome happening. Yes, yeah, he, he falls like a sack of potatoes or like a brick. You can't jog his jump. So if you're pushing left or right and jump, he'll have an arc. But if you jump up and then hit left or right, he doesn't move. He just comes straight down. That's really weird. I found it when I was, you know, like, I think it's in the first level. There's like a section where you're jumping from vine to vine. Yes. I found that I had to press right or left and the jump button at exactly the same time. Yeah, the controls are a little tricky. They're not really solid. They're not terrible. The game's very much playable. But because of the difficulty of the game, you'll get frustrated with the controls, particularly on yeah, with the vines in the first stage, but the second stage too, where they have the buzzsaw gimmicks where you have to like inch and then duck beneath a buzzsaw oh. and then inch some more and duck. And because the controls aren't super tight, you get hung up there. Those are straight up the glaive controls. <laughs> they totally are. They totally, yeah. they, those blades definitely look like that. I'm sure. I, I, I'm knowing the, the, the mindset of someone who's pumping out like all that kind of artwork. Mm -hmm. I'm sure someone's going, I'm just putting the game in here. Totally, totally. You know? The art style of the game is not what I'd expect from Taito. I wanted to use Rainbow Island 
as a making mechanic, but I went back and I played that and it does not feel the same at all. The art style is totally different, but the game play is totally different. Rainbow Island's a little tighter as far as controls are concerned, but this, the style of the Bub and Bob looking characters are not present in this game. That's why I said that the game really reminds me of a Sega Genesis title because it really has that vibe to me of a second or third shelf platformer. And we saw a lot of these in the 90s on the home console where it wasn't your Sonic or your Mario. It was your other mascot weird character. That's what this game feels like to me. I can see the misrepresentative cover art in my head. (laughs) Yes. The, um, The box art for the Sega Genesis game is really nice, but the arcade <laughs> marquee and flyer for North America is your typical, it looks like it could have been pulled off of a Master System box. It's very bad. Oh, does it have a grid? No, it, does, it, does, it, it has everything but that grid. It's got the weird <laughs> perspective and the weird, you know, American artwork. Could have been airbrushed on the side of a van where a creepy <laughs> dude would roll down his window and ask you if you wanted to go to a Fantasia with him. And the man not looking not like Michael Hayes. <laughs> that aside, the graphical presentation in the game isn't bad. It's just not what I'd expect from Taito. It's not the cutesy characters. It's very 8-bitty and very cartoony, but a little more sinister. I'm trying to think of another company it would have reminded me of, but I can't think of it. I do like the enemy design. There's beholders and there's these like weird bulbous characters with wings and goblin looking things. I dug them. They just don't look yeah. like title characters to me. I actually liked how chubby the music sounded and how the character's so chubby. Yes. He's like a stump. Yeah. He's like a thumb with legs. Like it's just this, he doesn't have a neck. No, he does not have a neck. His cheeks seem to bounce up and down on his shoulders. Right. As he moves. And I just, I don't know, I enjoy that. Like, what's weird though is that there's a section in it where, uh, as in the second level, where you see a princess trapped in a thing. Yes. And she looks like a human. Right. She looks, she looks out of place. I agree. Even compared to Mia, the girlfriend character who looks very similar to Dover, the protagonist, they're very squatty, which is probably because they're pecs. <laughs> Um, whereas the princess that you're referring to in the second level has a more stretched out proportion. Again, she doesn't look anything like previous title games, but she doesn't look like she belongs in this game either. No, it looked like an art asset someone found. Yes. Just threw in there and it turned into one of those jumping Frankenstein crotch guys. (laughs) There's um, cool little things in this game that make it enjoyable and give you the desire to continue to play. But I'm going to be honest, I didn't get very deep into the game because it's very difficult. I mean, you'll just keep dumping credit after credit after credit. And like I said, each time you play through, you'll get better. But eventually, I found myself getting burnt out. There are boss battles between each stage. The first boss you'll encounter is this dragon. And if you're real slow about approaching him you can get him into a sweet spot where he's just moving up and down and doesn't shoot fireballs at you or fly around the screen the way you attack enemies in this game is by shooting your own fireballs initially and it's this little weak little shit of a fireball that has this crappy little arc that you're gonna have to mitigate as you progress through the game you can pick up orbs which will give you if you collect enough little orbs 
it'll fill a meter at the bottom of the screen and it'll give you a more powerful shot in the realm of you can shoot more than one fireball at a time. But like I mentioned with the money bags, there are shops in between each stage so you can buy different power-ups. Now there's a cape, much like Arthur's armor in Ghosts and Goblins. In Wardner, you wear this cape that gives you an extra hit. This is a one-hit death game. So you can purchase a cape or you can find a cape on the stage. There's a needle and thread, which... The items aren't very intuitive, so if you're going to play this game, this portion will be very helpful to you. The needle and thread is actually an additional cape. It is patching up the cape that you're wearing. Then there's a clock that you can buy. What the clock does is, if time runs out, it stops the clock from killing you, which is very helpful because the game will let you take your time. It's not, again, going back to Ghosts and Goblins, which I really feel like is the inspiration of this game, it's not going to have zombies come out of the ground to move you along and steal your credits. It'll let you burn the clock. So having that clock item can be helpful in times. Probably not in the early stages. There's also three different swords, as it's called, that you can get. But again, it's just shots. It's like Arthur throwing the javelin. Dover is throwing these fireballs, and there's different ways to throw the fireballs. So there's a star sword, there's a sun sword, and there's a moon sword. There's different denominations of money value to those swords. The most expensive sword I found was less effective than the second most expensive sword. And I guess at a certain point it is preference because what these swords do is throw the fireballs in different patterns. So there's the the whooshing circular pattern. So you can think of like the flamethrower from Contra. And then there's like a wave so you can think of that from like Metroid when you get that sonic wave shot later on in that game. Cool additions, makes you want to keep playing, but just dying over and over again at the same part is what burnt me out in the game. But arcades being a business, you and I have talked about this in the past. It's all about stealing little kids' quarters. I think this game probably did relatively well out in the wild because there's enough of a game in its foundation to make you want to keep playing. Well, what I could have grasped from playing this game was that I think it's got the pace and the difficulty of a console game. Yes. I think it would have been better off as a console Right. Now, like I mentioned, there is a port on the Sega Genesis, but it's really ugly. It's shockingly ugly. It's just a bad port. On top of that, though, it doesn't have the length of the console game. This is true. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's four or five stages total. Five, yeah. Yeah, they're long stages, but in the realm of home console, yeah, it's not enough. Did you get to stage three? Uh, I did get to stage three, yes. That's where I kind of dropped off. That's where I died as well. But uh, I wanted to see the rest of the game, so I watched some videos of it. This guy showed off a trick. In stage three, there's like a phoenix mm-hmm. that comes near you, and instead of killing it, if you grab onto it, it'll carry you all the way to the end of the level. Really? It drops you off behind the dragon. Yeah, it, I guess it's a phoenix. It looks like a, an elongated chicken. Yeah, I, the color of the phoenix as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Did you then, jump on top of it or you jump underneath it? Like in the first level, there's an owl with a ring. That yeah, you, you do exactly on. like that. Ah, it carries okay. you. Oh, that's a cool pro player tip if you're going to play Wardner. Yeah, it's really cool. Like It drops you behind the dragon so you don't even need to fight him. You just walk straight into the shop. <laughs> You get a couple of kind of high-ticket items, shall we say, as well. Like There's like large orbs mm-hmm. or crystals or whatever. Yeah. And I think, from what I can tell, the only way to get them is by taking the dragon 
chasing the dragon. Chasing the dragon. <laughs> Up to the hey the kids, end. you want to chase the dragon? Go on a Fantasia, suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> what was that last one, Mister? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Very um, interesting game. It is definitely one of those arcade games, as we've talked about in the past with other titles. That seems like it belongs on a home console instead of the arcade, and fleshed out a little bit more. Liquid Kids was a game uh, that comes to mind as far as doesn't really make sense on the arcade would have made more sense on the Genesis or PC engine or something as just a title on there. Why it was in the arcade. I don't know, but this was like a time in the arcade where they were trying to figure out what's the next step. You know, space shooters were done. Platformers were hot. They went with well, platformers. It could have been that they had trouble porting it to the home systems. Mm. When you think about it, the Genesis version, doesn't look so hot, so maybe that's all they could muster at that time with that hardware. True. The game's not going to knock your socks off as far as um, graphics are concerned, but it definitely utilized the hardware better because when you compare it to its port, it looks a lot better. Yeah, so maybe they could have just been like, look, if we put it out in the arcades and it becomes a bit of a hit, then the console port will succeed. Mm. I don't know. It definitely has the feel, though, of a late-period NES game or early Genesis game. I like if this game as it is in the arcade appeared next to Altered Beast, you'd be a fool to buy Altered Beast. <laughs> a lot of people were fools back then with Altered Beast. Whenever I hear people talk about Altered Beast, you know when people go, the eighties, it was just better. And I'm like, was it all the AIDS that was so much better, was it? <laughs> and all the oppression and the Cold War. Oh, it must have been so much crack. Yes, it was awesome <laughs> oh. back then. They're just remembering the uh, Duran Duran and Dayglow. Yeah, all the, and the Canon films. The, yeah, and the fucking sweets they used to eat that had probably no illegal for good reason chemicals. In yeah, them. yeah. So, John, so, would you return to Wardner? Um, the arcade version, probably not. I would be curious to play the major mm-hmm. cut of it mm-hmm. to see. I could see getting good at this game. Yeah. Yeah, if you learn the the stages, I think you could go very far. I just I'm torn. I could see myself return to this game but with another player so we can enjoy the multiple deaths together because there is something about that that makes it fun to do. Yeah. I could see if you were in like a college accommodation and there was an arcade cabinet of this in the lobby. Right. I could see playing it with you. Yeah, I remember playing Super Mario Brothers 2, the Japanese variant, with my brother-in-law. A few drinks and a few hours of playing that, it was really a good time. Especially like when the wind kicked up or you'd go down one of those death trap pipes or something. It was, you know, a lot of laughs. I think you could get the same enjoyment out of this game. In fact, you know, uh, one of the games I didn't mention the make mechanics because I just thought of right now. Did you ever play the game Wizards and Warriors on the Nintendo? No. It took me a second there, because I didn't have someone says Wizards. I always think of Wizards of Lost Kingdom, Roger Palmer. Oh, no, no, no. Wizard and Warrior, I think, is a game that mechanically plays very similar. And I was duped by that game when I was younger, because Wizards and Warriors. I'm thinking, okay, cool, this is going to be like another Legend of Zelda type game. And it wasn't. It's a knight running around, platforming, and it feels very high in the game levels where you're constantly like moving up so you're going up these trees and fighting enemies very strange game but and again very heavy sprite 
didn't control very well. But um, this game really reminds me of that. That might be a good making mechanic, too, if people are familiar with Wizards and Warriors for the Nintendo. There was a certain flavor of a game back then like that, though. You know the way, like, dinosaurs sold in the 90s? <laughs> yeah, especially if they had skateboards. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> yeah. It's a new drinking game here on We Talk Games. Anytime we allude to or reference Denver the Last Dinosaur, take a drink. He's a groovy guy. You know, I think once Denver came of age, he'd get heavy into the booze. <laughs> He's the only but, dinosaur around. Can't impregnate a dinosaur lady, make eggs. Yeah, I can see it happening. Yeah, it gets desperate, like a, a man trapped on the desert island and eventually tries to, you know, congress with the human. <laughs> Wasn't that the premise of the Super Mario Brothers movie? Something like that. I, I, I actually haven't seen it. I've only ever seen the 3D poster set there. There's a lot of Dennis Hopper and Jet. Yeah, my, my man taped it for me back in the day, and I always meant to watch it. <laughs> but I think I taped over it with like, some episodes of Gladiators. Yeah, it's probably for the best. You know? And I, I remember going, oh, I should have watched Mario. I know I look back and I'm just like, you know what? I was so dumb. Probably would have enjoyed it. <laughs> I remember watching Never Ending Story 2 and going, yeah, uh, this film's fine. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, like, <laughs> you know? I thought the same thing as a kid, but man. It's the thing that I, never, as I referenced nostalgia earlier on. Like, people like, oh, it was so good back then. Like, really, go back and watch that X-Men cartoon. <laughs> There's more f- frames of animation on the cereal box, like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, <laughs> that, it was bad. So was the Spider-Man cartoon of the same era. Yeah, with its techno intro. Yeah. It was cool back then. Well, Batman's the only one that holds up. Yeah, that, well, they, a lot of love went into that show. You know what also holds up? Haikus. So here's my haiku for Wardner. Run, jump, and fire. The tools to defeat Wardner. And rescue Mia. That's it. That's the 575, John. Oh, so five words at the beginning, seven in the middle, and five at the end. All right, I'm just going to go short, long, short. Okay. Okay. You did well to get here. I'm Wardner. You can't see me, bitch. It's my <laughs> final form. I'm Ghost Bat State. <laughs> That's true. We didn't touch on it at the end. <laughs> does, the enemy, of course, does the, this isn't even my final form and turns into some disgusting monster but you, you would big, expect that in this game he's a big batman yeah as like not batman but a man that is also a bat like langstrom the man bat yes here's our clues for next week's game i'll go first to arms fight <laughs> what a uh, clue for uh next week's game Whatever it is, it's definitely not fucking mutant fighter. So you know, <laughs> praise be. All right. Well, let me remind everybody: any service that you're listening to this show on, if you enjoy what you heard, go to that service. Give us a thumbs up, a heart, a smiley face, a wiggly woggly, whatever you have to do. Five stars, twenty stars, a million stars. It would really help us out. It helps the metric 
of the show algorithm so it gets out there people see it more listeners happen community grows and we can do bigger and better things itunes stitcher soundcloud google play these are all places that the show's available and all places that you can rate review and subscribe also be sure to follow us on twitter at we talk games and we're also on facebook wtg podcast for john e capcom i'm kyle von kubik hoping you'll join us again next week for another we talk games arcade week Still a fireball, a fireball.